there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm here in the studio with Charlie. We're missing Matt, which is heartbreaking. But we have Jethro by way of satellite in England. And not too heartbreaking. Have you seen where Matt is? No, he's, he's like in Turkey. In Turkey on some body of water with a patio and a fresh Turkish coffee. Oh, really? Yeah, he looks like he's having a great time. I, I hope this doesn't sound xenophobic, but I feel like you could get a lot of bang for your buck in Turkey. Is that your same assumption? Mm-hmm. Is that some kind of... It's true. You absolutely can. You've been, Jethro. <laughs> I've not been, but I know it's like a holiday destination in Europe and it's good value. And yeah, you, you, it's one of those places that's still pretty damn cheap if you go. Yeah. Like I'm imagining from what you just described that he's got a water view with a patio and a fresh, you know, Turkish coffee, like 189 a night. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Does that feel right, Jethro? Do the conversion. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. It's, it's, do you know what? It's hard to find cheap places now. The, the euro has ruined cheap holiday destinations, but Turkey is definitely one of them. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to deviate from our normal. Well, we don't even have normal chit chat. I mean, eventually we'll get to F1, but this one's really outside of the normal gamut of things oh, we talk about. But it was really disturbing, and I want to play it for you guys. And then obviously I'll have some follow-up questions. An inverse relationship between the frequency of ejaculation and the development of prostate cancer. Yeah, there's an epidemiologic study that shows that men who were ejaculating more than 20 times a month, that there was a lower risk of developing prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is the second. 20. Boom. Okay. (laughs) So I saw this this morning. I was just, I went on to Instagram to look at different F1 news and gossip. And right away, I was hit with good old Peter Atia with this expert on saying that anything shy of 20 times a month and and you're not going to get those benefits against prostate cancer. So I guess before I divulge, Jethro, what would you put your number of per month ejaculations? Wow. This is a really... This is a a health service we're providing right now. I mean, I'm going to say 20 plus. I think I'm on the safe side. Oh, you're so safe. That prostate's probably enormous and healthy and ready to battle any invading cells. I'm going 20 yeah. plus well, also. Whoa! Boom! Shit balls. Yeah. I'm going one more than Charlie. Whoever Charlie says <laughs> one more than that. <laughs> oh, guys. I don't know if I'm going to see my 49th birthday, <laughs> given these numbers. I really wish Matt was here, although I bet he's blasting that thing as well. 
20 plus daily. <laughs> We'd all agree no one's having sex 20 times a month, right? That'd be preposterous. That'd be preposterous, yeah. Jethro's going to stay. If you're having sex <laughs> 20, I'm you just can just stay silent. fuck off to the countryside over there. <laughs> <And> then, in England. <laughs> just going to stay silent because it sounds better. Yeah. Okay. Just letting your imagination run wild. <laughs> well, I am, I don't want to break anyone's fantasy, but I am not having sex 20 times a month. And I am not ejaculating. If I had to put the true number on it, I'd probably, I think, eight times a month. You're in the danger zone. I feel, well, I never felt like it, but I feel very vulnerable now to prostate cancer. You are. It doesn't seem a lot, ducks. I think you need to love yourself more as well. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Kristen, like, listen, I'm going to be jerking <laughs> off more. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to quadruple the amount I'm drinking. But, but it's for our family. But it's for the longevity and the safety and health of our and family. And sometimes you might even be present. <laughs> I can't promise you won't be there sometimes. Uh, once in a blue moon, I mean really blue moon, as you just discovered, my virility is is toast. But occasionally we're laying in bed. She is presumably has drifted off. My mind starts wandering. And I think ah. I was going to have a little tug here <laughs> while she's in her slumber. And I'll be having a little tug and I'm keeping everything like as still as possible while still doing the tug. <laughs> and then she'll like go <clears throat> and like kind of roll over and I'll be, I'll be paralyzed. I just freeze as if police have run in and I'm just holding myself until I think I hear that deep rim resume, which is really funny because I'm not embarrassed that I'm doing that. It's not like she right. would shame me over that. She walks by the doors open and I'm uh, evacuating. No problem. But for whatever reason, I go back to being like 12 years yes. old and hearing footsteps being coming caught. up the stairs. <laughs> Does it just add to it though? Does it add to the excitement? No, no, no. It's no. And then I got to work myself back up. But of course I've very limited tugging because I don't want to be jostling the bed. Do you guys experience the same shame when you're trying to secretly uh, promote the health of your prostate? I don't think I've been caught. Oh, you haven't? No, no. But you've. Have <laughs> but you I'm done not that? going in the bed. I'm not. Oh, you're not. No. I, I think, Dax, your mistake is you leave the volume up on the porn that you're holding with the other hand. <laughs> I had headphones on with it blasting. <laughs> You've never tried that. I haven't. I haven't. Will you get out? Because occasionally you'll be laying there, right? And then all of a sudden you find yourself inordinately aroused for no reason. Yeah. Do you, do you find your way to the bathroom? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Oh, that's polite. I don't think Which is yeah. interesting because her I, I, main complaint, as I understand it, is that you fart in the bedroom and destroy her life. It's fine. That's that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> that's totally acceptable. Yeah, but doing something sexy around her is No, no, no. You can't do that. <laughs> Jezra, have you ever been in bed there trying to kind of secretly get away with one? I think it's better to be open about those things. So I think this is very personal, but I would try and have some touching going on at the same time. So even if I was just like touching a leg sure, or a butt sure. cheek or something, because then it feels like we're both involved in a process, <laughs> even though one of us is unconscious. Like it's for the betterment of your relationship. Yeah, it's, it's a shared experience. But you need to up your game, Dax. Eight is not enough for your health and for your sanity. Clearly. I knew I was like embarrassed just for my virility and my age that it had fallen to such a low number. But now that I realize there's a health, health risk, yeah. 
this really changes everything. I might even have to subscribe to different websites and whatnot <laughs> just for my health. <laughs> I mean, once you've fallen behind the curve, does that mean you need to massively exceed Double 20 in order to, 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 Make up to get that 60 a month. in a healthy place? <laughs> My goal is to double the size of my prostate by 2026. By the time Audi's on the grid, yep. I want to have a big bowling ball prostate uh-huh. <laughs> ready for anything I throw at it. Uh, okay, a uh, couple other things that have nothing to do with F1. Charlie and I, I don't want to poison the well or, or have halo effect. What would you give Friday night movie going experience out of 10? Well, at a principle, I can't go 10. Oh, but, right. But, but I'm going to give it a nine. I'll go straight 10. So much so that had you suggested we redo the whole thing on Saturday night, I would have been there. Yep. yep. So when's the last time you watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jethro? Oh, I have only watched it once and it would have been in 2020 sometime. Did you see it in the theater or did you watch it at home? I watched it at home. Yeah, I think it must have been during um, peak COVID times. Okay. Um, I had not seen it embarrassingly since I saw it in the theater when it Same. came out. Same. And we, I watched a snippet of it on the airplane when we went to the wedding mm-hmm. where the infamous lap dance occurred. And um, I was like, oh, this really deserves a, a rewatch. And Charlie and I started early. That was a huge part of the whole equation was starting a movie at 5.30. Yes. Well, as we found out, you two are in bed by 7.30 most nights. <laughs> yes. So you don't have much choice when you're about to sit down to an epic. Still very much recovering from last Saturday's uh, <laughs> Motorsports Bacchanalia that we all shared. Truly, I don't know that I'm yeah. fully recovered yet. Yeah. But yeah, 5.30 start time, which was, what was so great about that too is like, it felt like when you left, it was now 9 or 8.30 or whatever it was. Yep. I felt like it was 11.30. Yep. Get into bed and go, oh, I could still watch TV for a couple hours, which I did. I think by the time I got home and in bed, it was 10 o'clock. Ugh. And it felt so late. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't. It was great. <laughs> but that movie, I was screaming out loud laughing. I just can't believe that final set piece when they're interacting with the Manson family. The shit that goes down yep. between the flamethrower and the, the smashing the face into every single oh, this is in the pool. Yeah, yeah this, it's, it's so oh my good. God. But the whole, that, my impression of that movie, I mean, Brad Pitt is obviously a dude, but in that film, it's just next level, isn't it? It's the, it's the Brad Pitt movie. Like, he's like the coolest dude in the world. Yes, Brad Pitt. There's two things happening simultaneously which make the movie so incredible, besides the movie itself. But you have Leonardo DiCaprio, who just... Hands down, best of our generation, my generation. The, he is the king. I, there's an, I, I challenge you to find a movie he's not spectacular in and that the movie's not at least watchable. And it's some, like, element of inception, too, because he's acting like an actor. Yes. Who is then acting like whatever role he's playing. It's, there's it's so very many confusing. Yeah. I don't know how he keeps track of it, but his performance is, like, once in a lifetime. It's incredible. So the acting that's happening on the Leo side of things is just... Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. And then Pitt is just effortlessly existing as Cliff. Yeah. Quiet, unassuming, confident. Yep. The fact that he can't control himself when Bruce Lee is acting like he could fight <laughs> Ali or Foreman or whoever he was talking about. The fact that he just, he can't stand he can't. for that. <clears throat> I was talking about uh, with my friend Tim afterwards that I had just seen him. Like, when's the last time you saw it? We get into this thing. He goes, it's my favorite character. 
He's murdered his wife, yet he also goes and checks on the guy to make sure he's okay and not being taken advantage of. He also, you know, he has these little moments of, uh, Jethro, you're the wordsmith. Chivalrous. Chivalrous. Mm. Yeah, this weird mix of all these things makes it so. And then uh, when he picked up the hitchhiker, you know. Oh, and he didn't He didn't choose to have sex with her. Yeah. Yes. Yep. He pointed that out. He my loves that too. dog. He takes care of that dog so well. I mean. Such yeah. a good dog. <laughs> and then you find out he killed his wife. He murdered his <laughs> wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that bit. I just, that, maybe that's why, because he was just such a cool it's dude. It's just I, the tiniest no little recollection detail. of that. And they don't even really show you. It's rumored. They show them on a boat. He's about to go scuba diving. And he's got a, 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 a big harpoon in his hand. And she's like. <laughs> Letting it rip about what a failure he is and how she should have married someone else and then her sister was right. And then it just cuts out. You don't really know what happens, yep. but it is rumored that he killed his wife. You could guess. Uh, well, there wasn't there some controversy about the whole Bruce Lee bit of that film, which I, I didn't really understand. I, I just thought it was him, like you say, just couldn't let it lie. Yes. What was the controversy, which, by the way, I love I don't know. I just remember that. there was like, I listened to some film show here in the UK and I remember there was some bit like that was unnecessary and is it, I don't know, was it meant to be racist or something? I can't remember. But there was, there was definitely something like, why is that Bruce Lee thing in there? It's disrespectful. I think, in the stunt world, a lot of those guys were like, yeah, those karate tournaments are dancing. They're not contact. They're not action. There's not like the UFC. So I think right. people had issues with how revered he was as an actual badass and not a movie star. By the way, this goes across. It's not just for Bruce Lee. There's a bunch of stuntmen going, yeah, Tom Cruise does his own stunts. Cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's get yeah. real. Yeah. Let's throw him off the side of a building, let him land in a bag, all this kind of stuff. You know, I think it happens for everyone. I'm just intrigued because martial arts, I, I'm intrigued by it. My brother does karate and I still think I would kick his ass, obviously. And I'm like, <laughs> is it a real thing or not? So I don't watch UFC because I find it gross when they're like grinding elbows into people's faces and stuff. But do the do the martial artists actually win or do they just get punched in the face? The well, jujitsu guys and the judo, the, the, the wrestling throwing guys do really well. It's not a lot of karate. Okay. No, in fact, there's never been a karate like black belt and karate who's done well in the UFC. No. Uh, or Kung Fu. Are you telling me no one's ever executed a one-inch punch and won a UFC fight? <laughs> no one's done yet. <laughs> or a four fingers to the ribs and the guy died a week later. Uh -huh. <laughs> Mind you, look, that was my whole childhood. My brother and I lived for kung fu movies, man. Oh, my God. Guys were flying up into trees. Uh -huh. It was so radical. Yeah, I used to love the Jackie Chan stuff. But there was always kids on the playground. I was like, he does, you know, he's a brown, you know, whatever. He's a purple yes. belt. Yep. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, you know, I'm not, that's all right with me. I'm not, a, <laughs> I'll take, I'll roll the dice. <laughs> I always remember seeing the kids like talent shows, like. Yes. come and do their little performance and it did look more like a dance like i never it was like cool. oh shit that guy could kick some ass it was like cool yeah very cool but as is tai chi <laughs> yeah. now look we're both gonna get kicked out by a roundhouse someone someone some black belt's gonna hear this and come flying out of an alley and just <laughs> broadside us probably with a huge karate kick to the chin i think it could be good but i also feel like just having observed some of it when my brother was doing it and stuff and i'm sure he's a dangerous man. Um, but <laughs> if he, if, is he younger? No, he's older. You're no, the baby. No, he's older. But yeah, I got two older brothers. But I feel like also dangerous. Just sticking at it is is enough to progress. Do you know what I mean? I know there are skills you have to 
master and there's catters and this and that. But I'm like, unless you're actually fighting people, how do you qualify as a black belt? Unless you're being... I feel like to be a black belt, you have to have seven men attack you with, with like, bits of wood and stuff and see what happens. Bits of wood, some right. chains, a couple of uh, tire yeah. irons. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be surrounded by seven, eight guys and see. Yeah, that's the thing about jiu-jitsu, which makes it really legit, at least Brazilian jiu-jitsu, is they're not going to give you that belt unless you can represent the school in the next tournament. Like, they're constantly fighting other schools, and they can't have their green belt not really be a green belt because they're going to lose the honor of that school. I agree. It's the Mike Tyson uh, quote, right? Everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a guy who's been in, like, 65 bar fights behind the, you know, town tavern over someone who can do an aerial kick. Or break a plank of wood. Okay, well, we really covered it all. Oh, no, we didn't. One other thing that's unrelated, but I'm going to try to tie it seamlessly into the greater F1 picture because we're going to Vegas and so is F1. Are you guys, have you guys been following this sphere, the sphere that they've yes. built there? Awesome. Unbelievable. Are you seeing any footage of this, Jethro? I haven't seen footage. I've seen mm. pictures of it. Did you see the ones of the concert they just had? Right. Oh so my. you too was there last weekend. I think that was the inaugural show at this venue. And I knew the outside had a lot of LCD panels. Yep. Which also looks cool. It looks like AI. Like when you see the landscape and it's just this floating sphere with light show on it it looks fake. it's huge right it's huge oh and jethro the thing they can do on the outside is like they turn the whole thing into the moon and then it's actually spinning where the light from the sun would be hitting it if you're looking at it so you're watching the whole thing it does earth it does eyeballs that look insane it's it's mind-blowing what the outside looks like the inside hadn't really been seen, but all this, I saw all these videos on Instagram yep. Yep. from inside this show. Oh my Lord, because you're inside of it, the thing, it, the, the optical illusions it can perform, you feel like you're looking up at something maybe that's 2,000 feet tall from inside. In uh, the panels in there seem to even, I think that said they're 12K. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It reminded me of a Soren at uh, California Adventure. Oh, yes. That ride. Yes. Yep. But maybe times but a thousand. But times a thousand, yeah. So what do you do in there? There Are there concerts held and you go in and watch? Or is it just screen shows? How how does it work? It's a giant venue. So yeah, they have U2 was there. Big, big concerts. Yeah, U2 was playing on this stage. And by the way, they looked so Tiny. small. You yeah. get an idea of how enormous the inside of this sphere is. Um, and then, yes, coordinated to their songs is all this different visual stimulation. And I had seen a friend post from the concert. So I text him, he will remain anonymous. And I said, oh my God, I need to know more about that sphere. Like, how did you go? Where do I get tickets? I got to do it. It looks like it, it, your head would explode if you were on shrooms in there. He wrote back, I was on shrooms. <laughs> and I'm almost shocked he was able to have a conversation with me about it on Sunday. The ones I saw were like that desert landscape. Oh, and it yes. just looks like you're there. I mean, it's crazy. So basically, we have got to go to, go. to There's that. There's got to be some big shows that weekend. Yes. And the thing seats 18,600 oh, well. people. It's it's massive. Sounds like a venue for a live podcast for us, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> right in the center of it. <laughs> right in the center. <laughs> Looking really small. Well, I guess that could bring us to something that is uh, a bit of pulp from the paddock that uh, Matt in Abstentia has been kind enough to give us the pulp 
via text. I'm relieved. I was worried how how we were going to cope, to be honest. <laughs> Me too. He's 90% of the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, is 48 hours of research per day on this stuff is incredible. So apparently there is murmurs of a Las Vegas culinary union workers strike. And I just want to spend a few minutes imagining what it would be like in Las Vegas with no food with with no (laughs) culinary workers because it's not like there's a grocery store on every corner no there's a Walgreens you get a couple bags of chips I guess so I guess (laughs) we need to in addition to bringing recording gear and stuff we need like a lot of sundries a lot of of supplies (laughs) well you have the perfect vehicle to get it there Oh, yes. Have we said that yet, that that Jethro was successful in securing us an Escalade V for the trip there? And you're claiming you're going to just fly in and not be a part of that desert crossing? No, I having looked at the price of direct flights to Vegas on Vegas GP week, I will undoubtedly be flying to LA beforehand. Oh, good, 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 good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I need to work that out. But yeah, I will I will come in and probably drive over with you boys. Yeah, because flying in is insane and flying out is even worse for some reason. What's the over-under on speeding tickets for the round trip? Boy, I'm at the risk of jinxing ourselves. I will say Vegas in particular is a very easy destination to speed to because if you employ the Dak Shepard trademarked approach of speeding, there's always some hothead on the road. Ripping. Who's on their first date driving to Vegas in a Porsche Panamera who wants to show off. There's always someone going like 130. Yeah. And all you want to do is get about a quarter mile behind that car and just fucking pace them because they're definitely going to come up on the cop before you. So, I mean, I had one experience where I had, I was shooting The Ranch, which filmed a live show on Fridays. It didn't end till like 10. I had to drive to Laughlin, and then I was in an off-road race at like 8 a.m. in the desert. So I really wanted to get there fast. And sure enough, I found a, a little caravan of a Chrysler Pacifica, a Ford Focus, and some other entry-level, you know, family car. Everyone averaging 110, just 110 the whole way. And I thought, look at this era of cars. Uh-huh. You remember in the 80s, Jethro? How many cars did 110 in the 80s? Seven? I know, yeah, with, without overheating and falling apart and everything else. Yeah, and just even the handling. Like, if you would have taken a Chevy Chevette up to 110, you know, you would have been <laughs> really <laughs> rolling the dice. I got done in Florida, one of the first times I got done in the States. I was at um, Sebring 12-hour, and we, we were driving back to Miami to fly home. And I was following this Audi PR guy. And I was like, I was in this shitty rental Mustang, V6 Mustang, which as it turned out, I wasn't insured on because I was, I think I was, must have been too young at the time to to be on the insurance or something. So the photographer had been driving me the whole weekend. We'd had this long night out, I think the night before, got horribly drunk. And I was like, listen, you've done all the driving, I'll drive back. This fucking PR guy is doing 110 from Sebring to Miami. And I'm like, there is no way. Like, we are going to get done. Which I did. He didn't, obviously, because he was first. I think he woke the cop up, and then I was the guy who got me. <laughs> um, oh, no. But but you're right. This V6, this Mustang, late night is early 2000s, V6 rental Mustang. I got pinged at 103, I think. And this thing felt like it was doing 200 miles an hour. It was like <laughs> shedding 
shedding bits of trim, <laughs> vibrating. It was like the biggest piece of crap. Steering wheel shuddering. It was a brand new car. Yeah, shuddering. But yeah, you're right. Cars now, you could sit 130 for hours on end, even in like a Nissan Altima or something, you know, really sort of entry level. Yeah, and I remember like in 92, the huge news was like the Corvette went to 300 horsepower from 235. And like, yeah, the Ford Focus is making that now. I will say, as an Englishman being pulled over in America for the first time, I made every mistake possible. Like, because we don't have guns in the UK, including the police, like, he's like, have you got your license? So I immediately reach in my bag without saying anything, and he goes for his gun. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm like, oh, it's not in, I, I'm just so oblivious to this stuff. He's asking me if I've got firearms. And I was like, no, I'm English. <laughs> I've never seen a gun. Right. I'm not in the army. <laughs> Why like, would I have a firearm? <laughs> and then he was like, have you got something else? And I immediately went for the glove box and just opened it. And this poor, he was only a young cop. It must have been one of his first years on the job. And he, he was, yeah, truly scared that I was about to pull out some gun and shoot him oh yeah i turn on all the interior lights i keep my hands up above where the steering wheel is when i get my license and registration it's like up in the air i'm doing everything possible to let that person know like i'm not crazy in here with a gun i don't think about it either you you don't i just go for it you start digging around your backpack yeah. and yeah <laughs> putting on um, shooting shooting headphones putting on my vest, <laughs> bulletproof vest, vest, yeah, yeah. throwing it on real quick my uh balaclava <laughs> Yeah, I just felt like that was a real thing that separated um, the UK from the US. That it, it's just it just doesn't even enter my mind. And what happens when you actually get a ticket here? Does it like the point? There's no point system that's applicable to England, right? Are you pretty much just all you have to worry about is the fine? Yeah. So on the way to Vegas, oh, you'll if be you boys agree to pay the fine. I can drive. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> easy peasy. <laughs> Rack what, although what is the what is the prison limit there must be a limit in in europe i think there, there's probably a, a point where they'll just take you to jail yeah i would not want the car to get impounded so we gotta we i gotta reach out to someone <laughs> in the chp and find out what's the absolute max that thing can go <laughs> we've probably jinxed ourselves terribly um so what is upon us is qatar uh, it's only been one week off and felt long this time. It felt really long. We have been spoiled with these back to backs here over the last couple months. Didn't like it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's a big one for you, Dax. Big one for me. Yeah. I mean, your boy, he's going to win. He's going to get the title, isn't he, this weekend? Oh, yeah. yes. Maxi Max. I thought you were talking Ricardo because Ricardo's back, right? Is he back? Yep. Ricardo's back. Max is, um, probably going to win the championship and i'm i'm thinking eight is going up to at least ten. Eight is going up to at least <laughs> your monthly ejaculation oh, oh, oh. oh that was a deep callback <laughs> i might be able to get three or four taken care of on sunday well maybe quali good for, good for one or oh, two a sprint weekend. and a sp- oh this could be a big oh, one. you could get you could get right back up, on prostate. track <laughs> He'll be right back on track after uh, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so he could clinch it again. I think we've talked about it. I, I don't like the mid-season celebration. It, it just makes the end of the season feel pointless. And the way they did it last year was just like, oh, yeah, I guess we'll give this to you now. Instead yeah. of making a whole thing. And they shouldn't. They should wait till the end. Yep. As if it was one on the last race. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he can win it on the sprint as well, can't he? Which... Is a real letdown. Oh, he can. He can win it on the sprint. I think if he finishes sixth or above in the sprint, basically. um, So he needs three points to clinch it, sixth or higher in the sprint. If he 
DNFs in the sprint and Perez wins, he still only has to finish eighth or higher in the main race. So unless he has some horrendous double engine uh, failure, which seems unlikely, then it, it's pretty much in the bag. I hope he wins in the sprint and they do that lackluster celebration <laughs> after the sprint. Well, no one's watching. Yeah, no one's yes. watching. Well, the main audience is there. You go. there. Yeah. And then they'll reference it on the Sunday when he wins, like, yeah, you probably missed, yep. but uh, we did a war. Well, it's interesting because it, it will be. People won't. People won't really know it's happened. No one. Th- you're right about the sprint. If I thought it might be quite good taking it out of the qualifying, you know, for the for the race, but as a standalone event, it just becomes more and more irrelevant, doesn't it? The sprint. So it'd be, it would be a shame if he won it there, but I think he probably will. Although uh, the good thing about the, well, a sprints rock. So delighted that after this week off, at least we're rewarded heavily with two <laughs> races. And thus far, the best races of the, the whole season have been the sprints we've seen yeah. today. Mm, There's so much more exciting. Um, This was another one of Matt's pulps from the paddock. This was, I guess, Carlos on a podcast, suggested a reverse grid sprint race. Have you guys heard about this? He, Carlos, and some of the other drivers are pushing for the sprint races to be a reverse grid where the race qualifying grid is completely reversed to make it more interesting and the bottom 10 fight for points more exciting. I think it's in the standings that he was advocating for. So whatever your driver standings are for the season, that's how you start. Oh, So if you're in 20th you would be starting on pole and Max would be starting dead last. Well, I love that. But how do we, aren't there several drivers with no points? Who's in yeah, first? Yeah, but they're, how do they do that? They Put them all in a line across the front. But they do front. somehow rank them somehow. Despite. Cause yeah, because someone's in 20th. I mean, there's the bottom four have zero points, but they're. I guess it would be number of finishes and then those finishes outside the top 10, what order they've been in. So I, I'm guessing Logan would be. Definitely a, a, a surefire pole position. That could be fun, having him right up front. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Controlling the pace yeah. till he's off. I think they'd have to do something like that because they do reverse grids in other series, but obviously when it comes to qualifying, who's going to be laying it all on the line if they know their time is going to put them further and further back the grid? So, But the idea of doing where they stand in the championship actually works. Yeah, I would love to see that. And and I don't I don't know, Jethro, that I subscribe to this notion that they're ever going to drive different. I, I, I don't think you, just put yourself in that situation. I mean, even if you're in a go kart track, there's no stakes. You're with people. There's really nothing that can prevent you from wanting to pass the person that's in front of you. And then just slowly <laughs> you would do that over and over again. So you were really fighting hard to be in first. I don't think any of them have it in them to just tail somebody and be like, I guess I'll hang here till this get is one, over. One better starting position. Yeah, I don't yeah. even think it's about the points or this or that. Yeah. Just like you're driving. This guy's in front of you. I think I can block past him. I'm going to do that. Do you think there's a version where they, they coast? through anything you're probably right the only thing is i'm just wondering if that's what separates those guys from us in that we're just blind that's why we suck and have no control that's why we suck yeah yeah (laughs) and then that like you know max he wants to win so bad would he happily qualify 15th knowing that it means he's fifth on the grid or whatever you know because it it, it means ultimately he wins so it's just a slightly longer game but yeah you're right maybe max not i think max would just back himself to put it on pole start 20th and (laughs) win the race stay tuned for more f1 with drs 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We've only had one race at Qatar, yeah? 2021? 2021, mm, yeah. And then they've done a 10-year deal starting from this year. So it's now going to be a, a fixture of the calendar. And do we know why there wasn't one last year there? Because I watched a recap of the 2021 and the track is fucking awesome. It seems like it, it would be such a shoe in Was it the World Cup? It was probably the Football World Cup was held in Qatar. Ah, right, mm. right, right, right. I think there's a big stadium right next to the sale circuit, so... Um, that would make sense. So I'm also wondering, because it, it was a night race last time. Is it a night race this time? I think it's got to be. When does that mean we can watch it? 10 a.m. Oh, 10 a.m. on Sunday. Oh. 10 a.m. on the 8th, yeah. 10 a.m. Oh, that's kind of that's kind lovely. Of nice. And Sprint is the same, I guess, on Saturday, maybe? Sprint is 10.30. This is really nice to hear from Rob. On the other show, we get to hear from him all the time. He's on Google like he's the... Uh, guy in the spy team in the van. Yep. There's a hallway to your right. Yeah. <laughs> what time is the uh, What time is the sprint? Sprint's ten thirty in the morning. Yep. Oh, oh wow. There we go. Okay. Little trainy train. And how many baseball games you well, got this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> I've got two on Sunday. Well, well, one, but they go on for fourteen hours each. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've got two on Sunday, but we're going to Legoland for Wilder's birthday on Saturday. Okay, the fact that you're juggling this baseball schedule and you're ejaculating 20 times a month feels like you must have more hours in the day than I do. <laughs> do not it's, get caught a little league doing that, Charlie. It's big, big trouble. Big trouble. It's, it's for my family. It's for the health and longevity of my family. Uh, another bit of pull from the paddock is that Apple is looking at a $2 billion per year bid to cover F1 globally on Apple+. Plus. That really tells you a lot about where the sport is at right now and how many people want to get in, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what the current value of that U.S. coverage is, but with only less than a million viewers the last time i read is like 980 that's not worth two billion dollars unless you think that that's going to get up to you know right five million viewers or 10 what's it's, football it, 35 40 million viewers mm -hmm. but that's globally right they want to do it for the whole for the whole world they're going to buy it for two billion i was reading like in the uk i think sky pay 200 million for it. So two billion is a big upswing. Wow. If even if you take all the territories, I think it's still a big upswing in what they currently get. So Sky currently has the global rights to broadcast it? No, I think that's just for the UK. So I, I I guess they pay 200 mil for the for the UK. I don't know what ESPN are paying. I'm not sure. I'm sure we could find that info for when that was done. They just take the Sky feed. Okay, so it would have to work in concert with Sky, right? They would ultimately probably still cover it in england don't you think no it'd be on apple plus we have apple plus here this is a global bid so it's two billion and that would be the only place you can watch it as far as i would understand oh wow wow espn's paying 75 to 90 million dollars for f1 rights and like i say i read sky were paying 200 and then you add up all the other territories it's going to add up to a lot of money but it doesn't add up to two billion from what i understand that is a that is a big offer if it's true and is there any word on how seriously they're taking that i mean it seemed to have been public widely reported um and apple apparently that because they did uh, major league soccer 
uh, and it's been quite a success, but a relatively small sport, they've decided this could be a really good thing for them to do. And F1 is obviously the, the sport of the moment. And it's such a global thing. It makes sense. Got to imagine, too, that then they have the rights, but then there's a certain number of people that are going to buy Apple TVs and buy iPhone, whatever they need to watch it in addition to their service. So maybe it is worth $2 billion. Oh, I get it from Apple's point of view, for sure. I'm just wondering from F1's point of view, if they want to commit to something that you do have to have a certain bit of hardware for. Or, but I guess maybe not. <clears throat> I guess anyone who's watching it right now is Streaming it, yeah, yeah, somehow. Another funny thing, Paul from the Paddock, is that Max's birthday was on September 30th, which was also National Podcast Day. (laughs) And he hates podcasts. So that's kind of funny. I don't know, like three or four people who decided what date on the calendar to pick for (laughs) National. I wasn't consulted. Uh, I don't know who made this call. Yeah, do, you, but do you feel ripped off that you didn't have a vote? I do feel excluded <laughs> and ostracized, but also I commend the decision to make it on Max's birthday. So whoever's calling the shots over the as podcast As long as the decision committee, was made in consideration of his birthday, you're good with it? Yes, yeah. as long as it was to shame him for not liking podcasts and specifically F1. I saw a good clip um, of George Russell, Lando Norris, and Albon in an interview. Albon and Lando were kind of ribbon George a little bit. Oh, they were? Yeah, because they were kind of saying, talking about the future and how Mercedes is not doing so well. And he's like, well, we're second in the points. You know, we're doing fine. We're not where we want to be, but we're still okay. And they were more or less, well, saying, well, Lewis has gotten you guys second in the points. (laughs) Oh, boy. And kind of called him out. And he's like, yeah, he is beating me in the the driver's standing. So he kind of acknowledged it, which was fun to see. And they they were pretty straightforward and giving him a little shit for it, but. That's a good triumphant to put together to get some shit talking going because they're yep. all young yep. and they're all chippy. Yep. And yeah, and I'm sure it was good natured, but with some serious intent behind yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know that Lando has a ton of good nature. <laughs> he's just, he's a rascal. I love it. It's very entertaining. And he's got the skills to back it up. So, you know, bring it on. But yep. he seems to be the most rascally of all of them. I also think just, you know, we were talking about it earlier, like, would they give up a spot? to, you know, I just don't think, I think at the end of the day, they all think they're the best Mm -hmm. and they will do whatever to prove it Yeah, because that's what you have to do to get there. They've had to have that mentality for, you know, their whole life. So I think at the end of the day, they all have it in them to kind of be a little bit of a, a little bit of a dick. Yeah. And the whole drama machine has been ramping up around Lewis and George, which has been really fun because it did appear the last year that like, oh, they're going to be the like most simpatico teammates of all time. But between the last couple races, all the drama there and now uh, and all these interviews, the fact that the team was consoling George and not congratulating Lewis. Um, Toto always on the grid at, at George's car. Yeah. Which was never the case before. Yeah, so it's like all the elements are now swirling around. There's like the PR elements, there's the gossip, there's Mm -hmm. the on-track stuff. So I think for me, probably with Max winning as a foregone conclusion, the real drama this weekend is probably Lewis and George. There's a good few teammate things, but the Lewis and George one's interesting because it's like... You can imagine in the boardroom them going, well, we've got the old master, Lewis, and then we've got this new young apprentice... Lewis is going to retire whether he wins another one or not at some point, and then we bring on George. But it's, it would never work like that because if George doesn't knock Lewis off his perch, then they'll just bring in another number one driver when Lewis goes, you know. So it can never be 
as the car gets more and more competitive and as they get closer on the track and the stakes are higher, it it can't be harmonious. It's impossible. You're right. In their dream world, Lewis decides to retire the year George reaches his peak powers and would have yep. beat him that year. But that's not how it works. And you're right. They can't if if George can't beat Lewis in the twilight of his career, he can't be their number one driver. And in two years, he's yeah. not going to be the young new driver anymore. I mean, he's been there. So there's going to be presumably a handful of young, really young rookies that might be worth investing you know, and having them be the the new top dog. For sure. I mean, they might keep him there for stability, but they would bring in someone faster. Wouldn't it be great if he had a transformation into like incredibly aggressive, swearing at the engineers, driving in, like just total flip on his head, his his character. It'd be great to watch over the next couple of years. If he goes from the French baby child king to Attila the Hun or <laughs> Genghis yeah. Khan. Yeah, it's all been an act. It's been an act all this time. <laughs> yeah. I would also say that George, from my perspective over the last four years, seems to be someone who's very consistent mentally. And he seems a little frazzled lately. He has seemed frazzled. There's something kind of a little bit chaotic about him right now. Like Jethro's trajectory, I think he had that in his mind too, of like, okay, I'm, I had a great kind of rookie season, kind of slingshotted right into the best team. Last year was kind of a tie between those yep. two. And so he was working probably right in line where he thought he would be. And this year was a little bump. And yeah. I think it's just throwing him off a little bit. Which is what's helping me love Lewis this year, which is like, I love the old guy going, mm, not so not fast. quite yet. Yeah. yeah. Let me show you what 20 years of doing this mm -hmm. looks like mm -hmm. in this turn. Yeah. So I, I think that most of the drama is going to be yeah. between Mercedes this weekend. Yeah. And I think a bit of Oscar and Lando as well. That's still yeah. got to play out, I think. that there's There's some legs in that rivalry, I think. Big time. But they're like a year behind, right? They're like, you can see next year being an absolute yep. disaster for, for McLaren with those two, <laughs> both at peak powers. I hope in that uh, Piastri just stays quiet in his demeanor right now. Because Lando is the outspoken one. He's a little more cocky, as he should be at this point. But yeah. I hope that dynamic stays there because Piastri's right there. And he's just so calm about it that I like it. Well, Red Flags podcast did a um, did a good 20-minute runner about the fact that Lando had patted Piastri on the ass after the race for his first podium. <laughs> uh -huh. And they were saying, try to imagine Lance Stroll patting Alonzo on the ass or any one of these senior, junior. You can imagine George Russell patting Lewis Hamilton on the ass after a race. Like, it's such the the seniority position to pat on the ass yep. it's just not the domain of the the beta mm -hmm. so the fact that lando did they're reading a lot into that and i tend to agree with them that that was a power move yeah i'm just intrigued by that because that also it might be a power move but it also feels a little bit of a desperation move a little bit of a you know what I mean? He's he's trying to plant that seed. But Oscar seems very implacable in that sense. Like, he's just on an even keel. Like, you're not getting in my head. I would even argue that the second he felt the hand on his butt cheek, it went directly into the vault of yep. things he's going to pull on next race. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that should be my I, new I, move, is when I meet someone, give him a little, a little smack on the butt. Smack on the butt. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how that one's going to play out. I mean, I feel like Lando is a superstar. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but Oscar's close. Like, he's close already. So it'll, it'll be interesting if he can add speed. I feel like when you're a young driver, you don't necessarily get quicker 
as the years go, it's it's like you hit peaks. We've seen Oscar can hit these crazy peaks. It's just as you get more experience, you just get up to those peaks more often. And his peak is is right there with Lando, but I don't know if it's necessarily ahead. So that one is really hard to work out. Yeah. Um, okay, let's do a F1 zaddy, Jethro. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Is this is this piece of paper a resembled tissue paper at this point? Has it been folded and unfolded so many times oh, it, that you can so see many through times, it? <laughs> so many times that I've reprinted it okay. because it was screwed up in the bottom of my It's been across the Atlantic like three times or something. Um, <laughs> that thing's traveled cars. more than, yeah, most. Okay, so I'm going to do Jan Magnusson, mm. Kevin Magnusson's father. So Jan was a racing dr- driver, but he wasn't just like a failed racing driver. He raced in F1 and was described by Jackie Stewart, a three-time F1 champion himself, as the most talented young driver to emerge since Ayrton Senna. Whoa! So his dad was a star. His dad was a star. Uh, Later, Jackie Stewart would sack him after a season and a half and Jan's career in F1 was finished. So Jan was like a bright star who didn't quite make it. And he later said, I let myself down and that always hurts. So this was a story of basically what might have been. So he was born just west of Copenhagen in Denmark in 74. Uh, Dax will be pleased to know that his first love was actually motocross. Oh. But he switched, yeah. Sounds like a genius. (laughs) Yeah. He switched to karts aged 11, and by the age of 16, he'd won three world titles and was basically the highest property on the young driver market. Can I interrupt you for one second? Did you say he was born in 74? Yes. Aye. Oh, yes. boy. Okay, I was born in 75. <laughs> like, I'm sitting yeah. here listening to this guy, like, uh, like I'm reading a history book. Like, I'm seeing yeah. black and white <laughs> photos of him racing in Formula Ford. And- so, but listen to this. In, in 92, when he won the Formula Ford Festival, he was 18, and he already had a son called Kevin. No! Yeah. Oh, here's so, a man whose prostate is probably very healthy. <laughs> yeah, with his girlfriend, Britt Peterson. So, yeah, he was a, a young dad, basically. So he had loads of speed, but wasn't like most aspiring race drivers. Uh, reports at the time said he was scruffy, didn't really talk much, hated the gym, didn't bring any sponsors. Plus, he was um, partial to a few cigarettes around the back of the pit garages between sessions. <laughs> so he was a dream in terms of speed, but not in terms of anything else. Anyway, he joined Stuart Racing which was run by Jackie Stewart's son, Paul, in 94 in Formula 3. He won 14 of the 18 races, breaking Senna's previous record. Whoa! So Jan Magnussen was the fucking boy, basically, yeah. is what I'm telling you. He was super quick. Um, so this was his problem. This is a quote from him. People around me were saying these things and I started to believe in myself. And yet, you know, in some ways, it didn't do me a lot of favours because it all came so easily, so naturally. It wasn't something I had to work at at all. I thought this was the way my whole career was going to be. So he was just like Mr. Talent, basically. Um, Got him a contract with McLaren. Ron Dennis, who was the former McLaren boss and famously super anal, really hard to work with uh, and had very high standards, was not happy about him smoking, etc. Um, He said, I remember once we were at an airport, Jan had packed his passport into his suitcase. And when he opened the suitcase to find it, it looked like it had been packed by a (laughs) four-year-old. It looked like he'd just gone around the room and thrown everything into it, including his dirty washing. So for for McLaren, who were like, unbelievably, um, they were just... Everything was clean. Everything was perfect. This was this was not a good fit. Even so, he made his debut at the 1995 Pacific GP in Japan, standing in for Mika Hakkinen, who was sick, and finished 10th just behind his teammate. 
prior to this race, he hadn't driven the car for more than four consecutive laps. So he just hopped in it, finished 10th. So even then, he was super good. Stuart Grand Prix was started in 97. Again, this Jackie Stewart connection. Um, Jan was brought in alongside Rubens Barrichello. The car was basically a disaster. And despite Ford's backing and Jackie Stewart's name, it broke or blew up all the time. Uh, Jan wasn't quick. And this is a horrible story. He wasn't quick at all. Jackie was worried about him. And he had the embarrassment of Jackie Stewart hiring a track in the UK to give Jan a driving lesson. So this is his boss, Jackie Stewart, hired, I think it was Castle Coombe in the UK, got a Ford Escort road car, which is like a family car, and then went and told Jan what he wanted him to do and how to drive. And not only did he do that, he then reported it to the media. Oh. So his his boss literally reported to the media oh. that he had taken him out to give him a driving lesson, which was not huge um, motivation, I guess. I'd love to see um, Toto do that to somebody. Can you imagine? Have you seen I the just, footage of the three of them driving Mercedes E63? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah when they're all sliding around. Yeah. yeah, they have to wait for Toto a bit. But he was a good driver, wasn't he? Oh, he, did, yeah. he won, he did some good stuff. So by the end of the second season, he actually started to beat Rubens uh, and looked pretty good. But basically, um, I think the damage was already done. And he was fired after the Canadian GP and replaced by none other than Jos Verstappen. Oh, oh ding, ding, ding. another zaddy. Wow. So at the age of 24, it was all over for what had once been seen as the biggest talent since Senna. However, he did go on to actually a pretty good career. He raced seven seasons in kart, forerunner to IndyCar, um, and then went on to become a leading sports car driver. He's won Sebring 12 hour three times, won his class at Le Mans four times, raced in Danish touring car series and even in NASCAR. And the final little thing that links it all together with Jos Verstappen is that Stuart GP only raced from 97 to 99, then became Jaguar in 2000, and then Red Bull Racing in 2005. Mm. And that's it. Mm. That's my zaddy. That's great. You think of like, if you're not in F1, you're dead. But there's so many people that cobble together a fine living by racing, which is a miracle that anyone can do that. Yeah, that I was going to ask that too. Like, what do, what do those careers look like? If you're doing Le Mans, you're doing one-off races, can you make a career out of that? Can you make a living doing that? Yeah, yeah, because if the, if you're in a sports car, so the sports car world is interesting because it's, it's um, supported by very rich people, privateers, and also big manufacturers. So it depends what era you're living through if you like the privateers tend to not win big races but they do employ really skilled drivers or often young drivers to help their car near the front because the point is you need really quick guys so when the privateer is in the car he doesn't totally ruin your chances of winning so you always right. need good guys but world endurance championship and sports car racing if you've got like porsche involved audi were involved for years toyota those guys will be earning i would think a couple of mil a year oh, wow. driving oh. for a big for a big um manufacturer nascar is obviously huge money indycar's big money but sports car racing is you can if you are really good and you get in with a manufacturer and Jan um, raced for Corvette for quite a long time, he would have earned a really good living from that. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think what happens is you get a lot of supplemental income from the manufacturer, which is like, sure, you're their team driver, but you're at all of their press events giving rides. They probably bring the C6 vet that won Le Mans out and then put a journalist in it. You're driving that. You're, you know, you're at launches. You probably have also some kind of 
oil sponsorship here in a couple right. of print ads. I, you know, I don't know that it's not like from the racetrack winnings, right? They're making so much or maybe even that they're base salary, but I think they're brought in to represent the whatever manufacturer they drive from. Yeah, and these manufacturers, they some of them would argue that sports car racing, because it's more road car shaped, is just as relevant to their audience or more so. It doesn't might might not quite have the eyeballs of of F one. But in the big periods of Le Mans and sports car racing, it, it brings a lot of publicity. So it's it's pretty good. I guess that's true. I don't see Formula One and think I could go buy one. But if I see some of these <laughs> right. other ones, I'm like, oh, that looks like a Porsche I'd see on the road, you know, or I guess yeah. there's something to well, that. Well, particularly Porsche, because they are always so dominant with less horsepower and less things on the spec sheet. And you have to admit each time, like, wow, I guess they make the best track car. Yeah, they do a good job. They do a good job. But yeah, you were saying about manufacturer sponsors. Yeah, there was one piece that I didn't uh, write down, but Jan was working for Ford and was brought wheeled out on a car launch. I think it was a Ford street car or something. This was a sport car um, and the press interviewing him. So what do you think of the car? He drove it all the way from wherever he'd come from. And his reply was, it's the worst car I've ever driven. (laughs) (laughs) That shows how commercially minded Jan Magnussen was. And then asked the journalist if he had a lighter (laughs) so he could fire up a dart. (laughs) But it's cool that it shows that the talent isn't always enough, you know. That's what, you know, Max clearly had the talent, but he works at it like crazy. Jan Magnussen was clearly had the potential to be a top driver and had really good people behind him who believed in him, like Jackie Stewart, but he just didn't work as hard and smoked and all that stuff. Well, um, great zaddy, and um, it's wild to think I'm the same age as that dad, and it's also wild to imagine having a race career and a child at 18. (laughs) Of course, his suitcase was a fucking disaster. I'm surprised he even remembered the suitcase. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, the amazing thing is Kevin is not one of the younger drivers. Yeah, I want to say that I just saw this graph. Maybe you guys saw it. It was uh, races on a graph, uh, amount of races that the drivers have competed in. Uh, And yeah, Magnuson was up there, I want to say in the top four or five. I saw um, some stat, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Lando Norris is closing in on a driver who's had the most podiums but not won a race yeah he's he's getting close to that stat that's not the stat you want though no <laughs> i know that's what i mean it's like he's he's due to break over and get into those wins now yeah i wonder at what point does it become a weird hurdle you i know? think it's like, there it's you already think be. so if, if we're reading about it this stat he certainly knows that this stat is coming but he doesn't feel to me like a driver yet that's in his own way mentally like he's still, I still, when he's behind someone, I think he can get around them. You know, yeah. I don't think he's got like a block per se, but yeah, I can probably not yet. Maybe that would start to simmer in a little bit. Like kind of making that last pass. Yeah. I mean, McLaren are at the point where they, they might sneak a race win relatively soon. And imagine if it was Oscar who did it and Lando who didn't, I think that could then become, that could be, become an issue. Well, I don't think it made him very happy when Ricardo got a win. Yeah. True. Yeah, that was a yeah. little embarrassing for him. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't had huge opportunity because the McLaren has been pretty middling to absolutely crap like it was early in the year. But now they've really turned that corner. I think next year he needs a win, if not this season. We got to do P10. Okay, I have Matt's picks. Um, I suppose we should let him go first since he's not here. Does everyone concede to that? It depends. His pick, which will not surprise either of you, is Lawson. Wow. He loves Lawson. He, he loves his rookies. Are yeah, we going to do really. a sprint 
P10? I think if we had prioritized it earlier in the show, yes. But I think we've run out of time to do. <laughs> to. <laughs> you like the idea of doing a sprint too? It's irrelevant to me. Yeah, I'm okay. Not, I'm not okay. going to win anyway. So It truly is irrelevant to you. I don't need to lose <laughs> twice in one weekend. I'm good. <laughs> right, 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 you know? right. Yeah, you don't want to go into the race already feeling bummed that you lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead, Charlie. Who, who's your... Um, I'm going to go back to Yuki. <sighs> nice. Wow. Nice. Really nice. He's bound to get a tent. It's been a, a fortnight. All my research has led me right to Yuki. You're yielding the floor to me? Is that what you said? Yeah, because you often seem to go last. Okay. That doesn't seem fair. So, yeah, you go. I'll go Gasly. Ah, that's who I was going to go. Okay, I don't want to go Alpine because that seems like I'm copying Dax. So, who am I going to go with? Is Danny back? He's back, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to go for Danny then. So but that's a so good. Yeah. It's well, rude hold that on, someone hold on, doesn't. hold on. Now we've got three Alphatari drivers picked here. We have Lawson, Yuki, and Danny. Oh, so is Lawson in this race? Oh, Matt, Matt is fucked. <laughs> what no, an Matt must know because because Matt does three days of research. Oh, just to do right. this. Yeah, we're no. So you go Danny and one of you guys are just out. No, we can, no, I want to go with somebody who's definitely in the race. Like it seems, How do we find this out? I don't want to oh, wait, uh, Rob's I, got some info. Yeah, less likely than likely that he'll be back. Less likely than likely. That Ricardo will be back for Kato. That Ricardo will be back. I'm scrubbing Danny then okay. because it seems like I'm not going to win if he's not in a car. Um, <laughs> Here's my only question. If, if for whatever reason Daniel's in that seat and Matt has picked Lawson, I don't think we should say he now gets Ricardo. No, no, no. We we had this None. We had this once. You got one pass. Yeah. We gave him Danny. Now, the question is, do we allow him his backup? Because he has a second pick, assuming... Lawson got no. no, 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 absolutely okay. not. A, A's not here and B's won it three times. So. Absolutely <laughs> not. Add those two facts together and the answer is a solid no. <laughs> Savage. Okay, Resounding he's Lawson no. for yeah. better or worse. Okay, I'm going Alonso again. Alonso. Alonso. Oh, that'll really it, chap his hide if his backup was Alonso and you picked him and Ricardo drives instead of Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, we love Matt and we miss Matt and he'll be back talking to us from a neighboring country. I think he's in Dubai uh, for our race recap. So we will patch him through. Well, look, we have an incredibly exciting weekend upon us, uh, a sprint race, um, a, a qualifying session way too early as happens on Sprint Weekend, and then uh, a race at an incredibly fast track where a lot of different teams seem poised to do well. Ferrari seems like they could be really good here. Uh, McLaren seems like they could be really good. They have the high-speed cornering seemingly down. So I think it could be everything behind Max could be really exciting this weekend. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, an anticlimactic victory perhaps in the Sprint. Little trophy ceremony, real no quick. We'll see, yep, real quick. <laughs> oh, and and um, let me add for the ease of predictability, since so many times we generally want to do our recaps on Tuesday and our previews on Thursday, but so often there's a recap and a preview on the same week, which we generally do on Tuesday. What we've decided to do to limit the confusion is just the show will come out every Wednesday. Period. You can set your calendars to it. It's going to be on Wednesday every week. Uh, from this point going forward. Everyone enjoy this exciting weekend. Two races. 
tons of fun, high stakes, drama. It's all going to happen in a couple short days. And we will talk to you again next week on Wednesday. And until then, I encourage everyone to push, 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 push. 